really excited about the, the class we signed today. Um, nine total, four Texas high school kids, four that previously uh, played Texas high school football that, that we got to come back to the state, uh, and then one uh, transfer. So really excited about these guys. Like I talked about, the foundation of this team is going to be from Texas high school uh, programs, and, and uh, we're going to recruit Texas like our hair is on fire. So just really excited about these guys and, and moving forward. Tired of winning the tailgate but losing the games? We can't help that. But we can tell you what the hell is up with each team and what's going on across sunny San Marcos. Texas State fans, get on your feet. You're listening to Squaring Around with Jacob Rodriguez and Andrew Zimmel. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three of Squaring Around. I'm your host, of course, joined by Andrew Zimmel. And we have a special guest this week, Brendan Snow, who works for Vibe DFW up in Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, Brendan's also a longtime Bobcat, long time, you know, the traditional four years, I should say. <laughs> and a KTSW alum. So the first thing we want to talk about is happy slash sad. UIW lost last week in the FCS playoffs. Controversial call at the end kind of made way for the Bison to just take that game. And uh, UIW fans not happy. Texas State fans pretty happy that we at least got our guy back onto the recruiting trail in time for the early signing period. Zimmel, you got any takeaways from that game? Assholes are also unhappy, uh, Jacob, because I was unhappy. I, I, you know, cover North Dakota State in the most liberal terms when it comes to coverage. Um, I was hoping that the Bison would lose because I thought it would be funny to see Fargo fans go home sad. I root for the most amount of misery. Right now it's 11 below there with like 17 and a half feet of snow. So to have those fans go and lose to Incarnate Word at home would have been spectacular for those of us that root for the most amount of chaos. I am happy, though, that Kenny can now focus on what's most important, bringing a uh, Sunbelt second-place trophy to San Marcos. That's where my goals are this year, Jacob. Just get just get a second-place trophy. Even in the West, if you're second place in the West, that's incredible. I'm so happy. That is where my goal is this year. Just give me a silver medal. Silver medal on the podium. Not bad. I, I'd agree, yeah. Um, I, w- I would say that... <clears throat> that sorry, I'm fighting uh, something. It's also like very cold in Texas. If you're listening from Saskatchewan, um, so yeah, that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, you were on FlightAware too, tracking just to make sure that the Cardinals last week could even get to that game in Fargo, uh, but nothing kind of crazy. You know, everybody thought GJ Kinney was going to do another high-performing flying offense, um, but it didn't really go that way. I think over there. But how could you against the you know the Bison? Two, I mean, thirty-five or thirty-two points scored, two turnovers. That I think that kind of hurts it. Um, shout out to Scott Junior though, three hundred or two hundred eighty-two yards, three total touchdowns, two rushing, and uh, that kind of makes me think that the Texas State offense for the last we'll call it decade has been primarily we want a quarterback that can move around the pocket and throw the ball downfield. I think that the offense that we're going to be running next year potentially could have a little bit more option plays, might look for a more athletic quarterback. Snow, I want to get your opinions on this. What what are you thinking so far? Uh, are we all worried that uh, Incarnate Word blew a 16-0 lead in that game? 
<laughs> oh, nope. I I care so little about when it comes to like who's blowing leads. I worry so much more about my own team's blowing leads. I can't worry about somebody else blowing leads. But that's a good catch. That's a good call. Oh, that is when you're up sixteen nothing in, in a big game like that. You know that's the kind of character I want to see out of my coach. Uh, but that's that's nitpicking. Uh, I, I'm a little excited after doing some more research, looking at his offense, looking at uh, how QB friendly I think it's going to be, and that's kind of what we expected from Spavadol's offense to be a lot more QB friendly, and it just didn't really pan out that way from uh, what we saw. Well, we uh, thought it would. Remember that? Yeah, we, were very, we were very hopeful for a long time that it would. We were uh, all going like, to get tattoos. We were all going <laughs> to get tattoos. I like all the guys Hine's been around uh, with the stints in the NFL and college, Doug Peterson, uh, Deuce Daly, Press Taylor, the Jags OC now. He's been around a bunch of big guys, so why not? You know, it's 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 something different. Texas State tried. We did the uh, the defensive head coach with Withers and then the first-time head coach, OC, with Spavadol. So this guy's – at least he was a head coach for a year first, I guess. I hang around a bunch of attractive women. That does not mean that I pull, though. And I, I would so. say flag that one. I would say that hanging around successful people does not necessarily mean that you are successful. So I, I'm hoping that Kenny's relationships with other people will like pay off. But you got to remember, Spavadol was friends with Hogerson. He was friends with a lot of these pretty good offensive coaches, and it just didn't didn't rub off the way that we wanted it to. You know what he said at his initial press conference that still bugged me to this day is that like he knows this area, he recruited this area. And then he didn't recruit the area after he became a head coach. He was like, what? Okay, whatever. Just kind of go behind that schedule. I mean, it's almost unbelievable you're here at Texas State, and then you're also coaching at Incarnate Word, and you were going to Sacramento State, and then, you know, last Saturday you were up at the Fargo Dome. How did how did that work schedule work for you, and how were you able to, like, manage both uh, – UIW and Texas State. Yeah, just really tried to be where my feet were. Uh, I know I've said that a couple times, but uh, when I was at UIW, I was coaching those guys, giving them everything I had, and then when I came over here, I was recruiting and you know hiring staff. You know, whatever. UIW loses was the night before, the night before, the night before Christmas. All through the house, not a creature was stirring except DJ Kinney on the recruiting trail. He signed what, what was it nine thirteen something like that. Nine. What do you think that recruiting class is ranked nationally? Does anybody have an idea? Snow, we'll start with you, and then I want to go to Jacob. What do you think that 24-7 sports has us, like, the class rank? Uh, I think I actually looked at this already. (laughs) Because I was was looking at our previous ranks and looked over this one. Uh, You want me to say it? Yes. (laughs) Uh, I had that 120. Yeah, that's what I got, too. The 120th ranked recruiting class. Now, look. Texas State is not a uh, premier institution when it comes to like bringing big name guys in. You know, there there's a school up the road that's pretty good. There's a school down the street that's pretty damn good too when it comes to recruiting. So 120 isn't what I'm like super concerned with with the first recruiting class. However, I do want to kind of put that into perspective that there are a, what 130 college football programs in this country, and uh, 120 not really where you want to be as a team on the come up, even as it's like a Sunbelt group of five team, you'd kind of like that number to be a little higher. Where would you look at, at the end, what would would be a a realistic, good recruiting class ranking for you? Like, what would you think Texas state's peak, like recruiting class could potentially be? Uh, We got to, it's got to get into the top 100 because I looked at it. We hadn't been in the top 
100 recruiting class since 2017, and that was 93. Uh, that was on that team. <laughs> we were constantly in the back third of college football in recruiting and probably one of the bottom five in our state. Uh, and, and we've said it forever, the sleeping giant, you know, Texas State is. I was going through uh, Dave Campbell's top recruits today. There's still a bunch of unrecruited kids and kids that, uh, you know, committed to Sam Houston State, to, to Rice, the Permian Basin, schools you should be competing with and getting these players from. Uh, and I'll never understand how that happens. Like, I, I Scott, or not Scott Frost, Matt Rule, at Nebraska was talking about today, saying that like there was a bunch of kids that he wanted to get at Nebraska, then ended up going Division two, Division three, and he was like, "We wish him nothing but the best." But I don't understand how that happens if you're Texas State. Don't you think that you would be kind of like? And I look the recruits we've gotten so far. Shout out to those guys. I got a couple names written down here, but like you would think that the pitch would be, "Hey, scholarship, Division one school." You know, games on ESPN Plus, games on the ESPN networks. Like, you would think that the pitch would be pretty simple for these guys that are going to, like, Sam Houston State. You know what I mean? Well, they're going to jump up to FBS in a couple years, but I I don't know. It just is a head-scratch to me why, during the Spavadol era, it just never kind of clicked. And if it doesn't click now, that uh, look, I'd love to come back to Texas. Make me the recruiting coordinator. I- I'd take the job really easy. I'd love to go to some high school cafeterias and stand on a table and be like, who wants to come to San Marcos? River! We, we, need, to, we need to bring uh, Coach Marco uh, Regalado home. Ooh. Ooh. He's at Rice right now. And he just got JT Daniels over there. <laughs> yeah. Why? Okay. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. I love that. That's a really good point you made, Snow. Look at Rocky Regalado on the podcast, honestly. Please? Question mark. I'm. I'm. I would love to have him on, Jacob. I will say I will be um, semi-hostile towards him because I'm hostile to anybody that can play guitar. Uh, I think that I, I'm <laughs> insecure in that, like in movie. that realm. But I would yeah, love. Yeah. I'd love to have him on. <laughs> oh, there, there was not just uh, you know some players that GJ Kenny brought over to from UIW. It was also coaching. Because now our offense coordinator is from UIW and our DC is from UIW. Brought a couple. I'm most excited about the running backs coach, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he came from Auburn as a player. That was pretty cool. He had a bunch of all purpose yards and some other things over there. Uh, but Texas State has yet to establish the running game since I've been alive, basically. Uh, so I'm wondering if this guy could do it. Uh, potentially, yeah. Well, the thing is, is like you you establish an offensive line, then you establish a running game. And last year, the offensive line was probably one of the better ones that we've seen in the last five or six years. It felt like that was like the first time that you could say every single game there was there was a line out there that had like repertoire and chemistry with each other. So I think that the offensive line is the first step in that. And then the running back, of course, is second. But having a guy that played at Auburn who knows what it's like to, to be a big time recruit, he knows what it's like to pitch to to, to a young guy trying to come in to a program. I think that's going to help a lot too. Um, just having somebody in the room that knows what they're talking about and that you know you you into twenty four seven in twenty twenty two. I guess you can pull up a highlight on your phone on YouTube and say, "Hey, look, kid, this is what I was doing." Like you know, like and I can get us to this level too. I, it's got to mean something. What do you think, Snow? Yeah, uh, normally being able to just re- recruit or coach off a name, you know, normally is a pretty common thing. Uh, we shouldn't. I don't want to 
get ahead of ourselves now because uh, I always think back now it's when at Texas State when we had uh, what was his name was Damian Williams that transferred in. He was mm. he was from Mississippi State. He was he was Dak Prescott's backup. He was supposed to be a, our savior, and he, he had some struggles for sure. Uh, I think he kind of started to get a little better towards the end of the year. Uh, but I, uh, it's not all just names that can do it anymore. We need guys that can that want to put in the work, that are ready and, and want to be there, and just got to do a better job of uh, keep selling Sam Marcus. So, so well, that's what I was about earlier, and you said Sam Houston State. Like, Hunts, Sam Marcus greater than Huntsville by a mile. That should be it right there. Well, and I was talking to some people actually this week talking about just like the environment of college station to Texas state. You know what I mean? Like it's not a comparison every place in the state. And I know we're, we're all coming from a part that, okay, we, we were there. We loved it. Like, I don't think that there's a place in the state that you can put toe to toe against San Marcos and be like, okay, it's a wide margin, right? Like, okay, you're going to get more money at UT or A&M or even SMU or, or Houston. But like when it comes to environment, like, a nice place to be. I don't think any of those places come close to San Marcos. So if you're selling it to a three-star or four-star guy who maybe is a little under-recruited, maybe coming off a team that wasn't very good in high school, but he was the best player, you'd think that that would be an easy pitch. Yeah. And so just based off of the list that we have before us, does anybody stick out in your mind as, oh, this could be the guy down the road, maybe not even immediately, changes some stuff for us or just, you know, shores up either different sides of the ball or anything. What do you guys think? Was there anybody that jumped out to you, Snow? Because there's one guy that jumped out to me. Uh, I was looking more at the transfer portal, maybe. One of those two guys, mm-hmm. uh, either Devin Wright or Cedric Roberts, one from Boise State, one from OU. And they both uh, – something I noticed earlier about the class was a lot of uh, defense – you got, you got a couple corners, uh, D-line. They're trying to build up that defense, and I think yeah, either apparently leading Cedric Roberts right now from OU. That's He's from Pflugerville, too, so he kind of gets to come back home a little bit. Bamadel Babusi, I want to say his last name is. He's a six foot six, 300-pound kid out of Grand Prairie, Texas, Jacob. Nice High school that. kid coming in. That is what excites me. I, You know, it's, it's cuffing season. You've heard the TikTok deals. We're looking for a big boy. I love me some big boys. I want some 300 pounders on the offensive line. Six foot six, brother. Running behind that, that's a running back problem or solution right there. You give me an offensive tackle that can push some dudes around. There's not a lot of 300 pound guys in the Sunbelt Conference. Like that, it's just, there's not. There's not that big of dudes. There's a lot of athletes, a lot of six foot, you know, four, 250, 275. 300 pounds is 300 stacks. That's three stacks. I am in love with this, and I hope that he can show up. And you know, if he gets to play year one, shout out to that. We don't see him till like twenty twenty five because he redshirts a year. That's fine with me too. Yeah, that's that's what stuck out to me is just having this guy out of the gate. Who's I mean, the Cowboys drafted with Terrence Steele when he was three thirteen, and so you know, Brandon Bedusi coming in at three hundred, not even out of college yet. That's pretty great. Um, I just need something there. I need a building block somewhere, anywhere. Um, oh, there's a lot I, yeah. of great football names on this list too, besides Bandies, but also uh, Nash Jones, Jake Simpson. I'm a big fan of Jake's. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the coaching hiring, did y'all like anything? 
we're surprised. I wasn't really surprised that he just basically brought his crew from UIW. Um, yeah. So I've been kicking this can around, and I'll throw it to you guys. When Spavadol was hiring his guys, and it was kind of like a hodgepodge all over of you know the LinkedIn connections. I know X person, so now I'm going to hire this other person who they recommend. And he built the staff that way, and it didn't lead to any success. Now, Kenny's bringing his entire FCS staff with him, essentially. And at first, I kind of was like, I don't like that. I don't like having an FCS whole coaching staff who haven't coached at this like higher level, never coached in the Sunbelt Conference or any comparison conference. I don't really love the, what we're doing here with that. But I've come around to it, and I'm now on, I'm on board with it. I'm okay with it because there's going to be a level of trust and hopefully communication between these guys that if something does go wrong, like say you start one in three or one in four and you're trying to turn the ship around, how do you get in? How do you, you know, solve those problems early in your conference schedule? I have trust that they have trust in each other that they, they can like figure it out versus guys who might not have been on the job for a year together. I, so I'm okay with it. I, I've changed my opinion. I, I'm enjoying this. I'm liking this a little bit more. Well, it's an insane example to make, but it's like if us three got a show on ESPN and would, they were just like, make it. Like, you know, like we already know each other. We've had some success in the past. Like, it wouldn't be insane to be like, these guys may do okay to start out with. And in, and chemistry too. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah, chemistry is important. And I think being a part of a winning culture and knowing what it takes to win, not just at the FCS level, but having that translate to any level really is, you know, that's like, I think what they're looking for. He just wants guys initially that he could trust off the bat, you know? Yeah, obviously, leaving the trust early, uh, very important. Uh, we know these guys can win because we just saw what they did at the at FCS. I'm not saying like win, like saving, but they, they showed they, they could win, they could score points, they, they could put together game plans week in, week they out. They compete. Yeah, compete. And hey, most of these guys, they were on the staff two years ago when that UIW team beat a certain Bobcat team. <laughs> hey, we can't overlook that. Pina wasn't over, there. They took Pina over the guest locker room and then made that the home locker room. <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> you know, and that's, I guess, part of the thing, too, is that, like, you know, because some of these coaches have played in San Marcos, have uh, recruited in San Marcos before, maybe that'll help. You know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to be more optimistic. The last couple of weeks, I've been pessimistic. The weather's turning. I don't want to become Scrooge McDuck. It's almost Christmas time. I'm trying to I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic here. Well, the fact that this guy was able to get a not bad recruiting class in the timeline that he was given, while also coaching potentially for a national title, is kind of miraculous in itself. And they asked him about that at the press conference. I'm going to be sprinkling bites throughout this, I'm sure, but. Uh, that was kind of like part of the thing is that he was just always working. As soon as he touched down in San Marcos the first time, he just kind of kept going. And then anybody that he was recruiting at UIW, he also kept in the back mind for any potential job he got in the future. So not only could these guys have ended up at uh, Texas State, potentially, you know, everybody thought he was going to get that gig at Tulsa. Would that have been a thing? Yeah, maybe he could have just brought all these people to Tulsa with him. So. I, it's not down in my mind that this dude's a great recruiter, and that's kind of what hyped me up about him in the first place is because that's what he said day one. He's a great recruiter, and he's going to recruit Texas. And he's really good at Twitter because if you're not following along, 
all you have to do is just scroll through his Twitter feed and you can see all these interactions in real time. I don't know. I don't, I think that good at Twitter and posting the same GIF over and over and over again are two different things. True. Um, but I, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, not everybody is a social media manager. Well, it, it's not like that, right? Like Everett Withers was good at Twitter in that he was really good at throwing shade at uh, Texas State when like the bus crash thing happened and that never really got resolved and just posting popcorn gifts every time something in the athletics department would happen and transpire. And then we would get those Kef bombs. Shout out to Kef. But GJ is good at uh, Twitter in like the real sense, like just like interacting online and they're doing, you know, the hashtag take back Texas thing. That's kind of cool because we were talking about last week, how the brand could be the brand. Yeah. Take back Texas is a pretty good one. I like it a lot more than party in the end zone um, because, that. well, cause that's something that you can use. Like, okay. I can use it in recruiting. Mm-hmm. I can use it in games. I can use it in the off season. And I, 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 there's a lot of ways you can use it. There's no reason. There's no reason that in three years, Texas State is not competing for a Sunbelt West title. There's no reason for that. This The West is so wide open. There are so many coaching changes that have happened, that are happening. There, there's so much movement in the Sunbelt. There's no reason for Texas State football not to be trying to compete for a Sunbelt title in three years. That is, that is where we need to keep the bar when we talk about these things. Like, okay, yeah, winning five games and like getting a chance to go to a bowl game is very cool. But I'm looking at it as like the teams in our conference are not that much better than us. There's no reason for us to be competing. This is the first calendar year under new president Kelly Danfis too. And he's the one who initiated the coaching search along with Don Coriel, of course. Um, But just knowing kind of like the timeline that he's on, because at the beginning of last season, he said, that, you know, Texas State had lost games within one or two points. So that was going to be this mission for Jake Spavadol. Obviously, we know how that ended up. Uh, we lost the home opener, or we lost the opener to Nevada, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. We lost a lot of other games. Uh, one against App State, shout out. Uh, but, you know, aside from that, it didn't really matter in large part. And so now, uh, you know, he's explained all these things to GJ and where we want to be as a program, even in a year. I don't know. I think that timeline is still kind of crazy to me. But Texas State is also holding out on like four or five people they think will sign either, you know, on National Sign Day itself or not. What do you think is crazy? What do you the mean? timeline to try to win a, a Sunbelt title? Uh, yeah, like win the entire thing. I don't think so. I don't think it's that crazy. Snow, what do you think? Uh, like you said, uh, kind of three years. I don't see it happening in in a year, even though the West and the Sun Belt is pretty bad. I, I always look at the list will come out every week, like the worst ten programs, <laughs> and, and and I'll see I'll, somehow never Texas State throughout the football <laughs> season, but there'll be ULM, there'll be uh uh Georgia Southern, there'll be Arkansas State, <laughs> Arkansas State, and never Texas State. So even at our lowest, they still put a little bit more respect on us for some reason. Because we should have that kind of leg up being a Texas school and, and having all this talent. <laughs> all it took for Troy to win is get a one really good coach that that was able to get guys in there to figure it out. Now, Troy's a defensive program. They're, they're a team that runs the ball and plays really good defense. Texas State's never been that. If we just play average defense and can score average amount of points, 
there's no reason for us not to be competing. Like, and that's that I think is the frustrating part is that because we're the furthest west team, like Kelly Dampus has the has the right idea where he's like, we need to be competing not only in football but everything else. Everything else is going smoothly. Everything, everything else is everything. going great. It's just football that was like holding us back. But it's like if you have a if you have a rowboat and you're doing really good going offshore, and then you have a 30-ton anchor, that's football for Texas State. Girls volleyball, they're paddling. Boys basketball, they're paddling. Baseball's directing. They got the compass out. Softball's raising the sail. And football's that 30-ton anchor. We're slowly getting that, that anchor off. We're, we're cutting the anchor off. We'll let the football team join us here as we continue to try to get further and further away from the shores of mediocrity. That was nice. Oh, <laughs> you painted the entire picture. Well, uh, something that people would argue too is that like Texas State should be better because of how much stuff it has in comparison to schools like UTSA, which did start off with a great history of a you know two division two division two NCAA champion team and all this other stuff, and so that's what kind of has gotten Jeff Trailer heated up, only because his team has you know taken a lot of prominence. They've won two titles. They've lost two bowl games. Shout out to Troy. Um, but he was pretty pissed, and he took to Twitter uh, in his signing day presser. I'll, again, sprinkle some bites in. Uh, but he was pretty pissed, not just at NCAA, but just like the fact that everybody's cool with the transfer portal and how things are and uh, NIL money getting thrown around and poaching players pretty much. I meant what I said. I mean, when I was a Little League coach, if I picked a kid like third in the draft and somebody else wanted him, like we had to trade. That was the rules, like equal pick, right? Well, if we can figure out Little League, uh, the state of Texas has figured it out. They've got district executive committees. Those superintendents rule over the district. If the people don't like that rule, it goes to the UIL. The UIL makes the final decision. If the state of Texas can regulate over 1,600 high schools, why can't we get an organization that can oversee 131 Division One schools? It just doesn't seem like it'd be that hard. Let's let's put some real thought into what's best for our game. Let's organize some rules. How would you like it if we were going to play a horse and the rule was you had to say backboard before it goes in, and so then you say backboard, so then I make it off the backboard and JJ was all net. JJ said, well, that counts. It went in. No, horse rules are it has to be off the glass. So I caught off the glass. It's a silly analogy, but that's what we're doing in college football right now. The rules, what are the rules? Somebody tell me the rules. Because I know what the rules are. The rules are if you you can't tamper. So what do the guys do that have been cheating forever? They go third party and you can't catch them. So then you go to your player who's coming to you telling you what school's offering them what. You ask the kid if he'll turn them into the U to the NCAA, and the kid's like, I can't, coach. Then all the players will be mad at me because I'm costing the players money. You guys have to say about that. So I think that that's part of the deal, man, is like as a group of five program, that's what happens. Um, FCS schools have dealt with this for years where group of five and power five schools will just take their best players try to get them in the transfer portal, bring them over. Transfer portal is the wild, wild west at this point where there's really no bylaws. There, there's really no rules when it comes to who can go and who stays. So I think what Jeff Chandler needs to do is just buck up. 
Because like that's that's the deal. You had and you know if he doesn't like it, if he doesn't like his players getting poached, um, go to a bigger school. <laughs> you know, and you'll have the same problems. I'm telling you, like if you go to a, a middling SEC program, so let's say Old Miss or Mississippi State, right? I, I always think middle of the road. I think about those two schools. You go to one of those two schools, you're probably gonna get a couple players poached from Florida, from Georgia, from Alabama, from LSU. Like that's just that's just the game. That's college football. Snow. Yeah, uh, like you said, it's, it's very wild, wild west. It's gonna take some time to get it sorted out a little bit. So in the early stages, all this NIL stuff, yeah, it's going to hurt some schools a lot like that because they don't have certain restrictions yet or whatever they come up with. Because uh, I, I am, I've always been, you know, pro uh, pay the players, let them make money and stuff. But I, I do think it's also insane at the same time that uh, the pit coach, uh, Pat Nutterizzi, said that multiple teams had offered uh, Drake May $5 million transfer from UNC. And it's like uh, – that's God, that's insane. At a college level, just straight up, you can offer someone five million dollars to leave the school they're at to come to your school, and well, it kind of starts blending. And and that's what's going to be interesting as the NIL Cold War really rages on, and you got schools like Texas and College Station and and you know SMU and TCU that are going to have all these big money donors throwing a lot of money around. It's going to be interesting how schools like UTSA and, and Texas State are able to compete in that. Because, like, Jeff Trailer is complaining now that he's getting guys poached. Wait till we get the millions as, like, the small. as When when $100,000 is just a drop in the bucket for some of these big-name players. How is UTSA going to compete with that? And that is where I, I, I look – that that's a day that I look forward to. Not for Texas State because we're going to get screwed in the same way, but because he'll leave. Because I, I, there's no way that Jeff Trailer is going to stick around when he's got a really good quarterback or a really good corner, an offensive tackle, who, who's like, oh, I'm going to get this guy. And then he ends up going to UNT or he ends up going to SMU because just they got more money. I, I look forward to that day. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited when UTSA gets screwed by this. Well, Trailer also signed, like, I think they ranked it as, like, the 55 overall class or something like that, somewhere in that group. And very good, you know, especially considering he's going up in conferences too and he's going to play. Uh, but uh, he was just super unhappy and that entire presser just could not be bothered to smile. They kept asking him about uh, the McCown family and how it must be feel good to recruit another member of that family and, you know, have kind of a lineage to that. And he would not bite at all. Um I also think it's kind of like, you know, UTSA is trying to build a lot of stuff, too. They don't have very many things. You know, they share the Alabama. Like business. dorms. Yeah, exactly. And so they kind of build all this infrastructure that Texas State already has. So in that respect, Texas State does have a leg up because it has all this stuff, not necessarily dorms on campus, but at least um, a lot of developers want to build in San Marcos, too, uh, completely as separate from Texas State, but just to be in the same area as Austin as well but also just to support student living at Texas State because, uh, you know, everybody just does that one-and-done kind of tour in the dorms unless you're an RA, and then you kind of move on. But UTSA is going to have to you know, choose between either continuing to fund their program, their football program at a very high level or uh, develop the rest of the university, basically. And they do also have other teams. They have the baseball team. They have a bunch of other teams that want new things and that are like, hey, what the hell? Football's getting a lot of love. Well, yeah, football's bringing in a lot of money right now. <laughs> I you 
I can't turn on a college football radio show without Jeff Trailer's name getting mentioned once in the three-hour show. He he is one of the hottest names when it comes to coaching. So, you know, F him. <laughs> He's going to go somewhere. It's just a matter of time. Like he, I mean, I, I think that first P5 offer, right, was for Purdue. That's kind of a tough sell for a Texas guy. I wouldn't go to Purdue either. No. He... And the thing is, too, is that like if you're going to go somewhere, you want to go to a place where you're going to continue to get to recruit. So I don't think there are any schools in Texas, Power 5 schools, that are going to hire him off the bat. However, weird things have happened. Stranger things have happened in the state of Texas when it comes to football. Well, just like, uh, you know, like Spavadol said, if he was like, now trailer kind of has a mini coaching tree in central Texas, like not even 40 minutes away from him. He's got Kenny building his own empire, hopefully. And, uh, you know, I don't know. could be interesting, especially the proximity base of those two schools. And they play this season. Uh, maybe Trey was waiting for the, uh, for the Houston job. Don't know how long, uh, Dana's still there. Don't know how long, how long he has. <laughs> And and they're getting ready to move to uh, the Big Twelve. That would be an incredible hire. Um, I think it would burn out so quick, but that'd be that'd be <laughs> a good hire for him. So we kind of breeze through the national signing day stuff. I don't want to go through each of these really, but I think it is worth mentioning. Really, <laughs> some of the signings. Do you have anything? Uh, I was saying we we didn't we didn't have a lot. I, I'm intrigued that one of the first guys I, I didn't see was I'm assuming they're all Keenan guys, obviously. Uh, the top rated guy for us, Chris Don Jr. He's five seven, one fifty five receiver. So I'm expecting a, a small, fast guy. Jacobs kind of kind of guy. Shout also out. from his seat, which is where Keenan is from. So immediately, I think can, can that could be something we continue to see uh, him kind of dipping more into DFW. You know, the two first of the two commits that came down on Saturday, two guys from Mesquite, you're yeah. from Mesquite yeah. as well. Did that kind of go into recruiting them a little bit? You knew they, sure. were, they were from there and you, you used that to your advantage? There's no doubt about it. I've, I've recruited both of these guys. I was a Marion's, you know, first offer um, when I was at UIW and, and Chris, I'd recruited for a long time and I, and I stayed recruiting him even when I was at UIW. Um, and you know, I'm always going to lean on the high school coaches and and you know everyone in that area that I know. I'm always going to recruit Mesquite very very hard. Well, that was kind of cool. If he can if he can get the DFW and actually get like one of the like let's say just make a round number. Let's say there's a hundred like great college football players in the DFW area, right? If he can get one of those guys every recruiting class, that's a win. That's one a win. Of, one of the consistent lines that he had throughout the press conference. I watched the press conference probably four or five times and just because he was in the background. I kept hitting him. But uh, he just kept saying, like, oh, yeah, I tried to, I've been recruiting that kid for years. <laughs> like, years and years and years. So he's playing the long game with some of these recruits. I can only imagine what this guy could have done if he had a proper timeline. Also, what the hell was Fab doing? <laughs> we didn't have any commits. <laughs> Yeah, but how many of those guys are going to go with him to Cal or like just go other places? You know, like that's well, and that's the other thing. It's like, there's like a guy going and like the guy going. You know, how many the yeah. guys do we have? Yeah, that, I mean, you're, you're right there. I don't know. It's it's weird because like that's Spavadol's job is not technically to be like the head recruiter, 
but, but like that's kind of the de facto job of the head coach is like to be the head recruiter. So I don't know. It's it's weird. Well, that's something that Trailer was talking about too, and how basically he's the head recruiter, and how his whole team are doing double duty doing that too. So I would be surprised if it wasn't the same in Texas State. I mean, they don't have a big media relations team. Shout out Chris K. They shot that whole presser in like 4K. It was amazing. Um, but there's only so many things that like four or five guys in that whole office can do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all budgeting too. You know, how much money do you have for recruits? Not much. Probably. Yeah. Unless they change the scoreboard at the baseball field to not the Chimmy's foul post, but HEB. <laughs> and that's another yeah. thing too is will some of these Texas companies kind of step up in the same way to support either UTSA, Texas State, UT, more than likely, though, I mean, they already do. Well, um, but the thing is, is, like, you can sell more. If you're Texas State, you can give smaller companies more for less money, right? So, like, you should do that. You should go for local Texas brands. And the other thing is, a lot of the big national brands moving to the central Texas area, how do you not have, like... I understand that Dell is always going to sponsor UT. How do you not have any of that money? How do you not have any of that, like, those, those, like, you know, the Ubers, the Teslas? How is none of that money coming to Texas State? Like, you're not doing anything to try? Like, I I imagine they made the phone call, but it's got to be more than just one phone call, right? Like, when you're talking to these big brands, I don't know. We have a couple aces in the hole, right? We have George Strait. (laughs) We have Randy. He doesn't care. He. We have a few other like people. No, I'm saying if this program ascends to crazy height, they go undefeated, right? They win a bowl game. They get ranked on the AP National. When am I getting my Alexis Texas OnlyFans NIL deal? There you go. That's what Maybe. I need. I'm telling you, there's, there's this is a sleeping giant in more ways than one. Every obvious thing about Texas State is a selling point. Snow? Uh, no, no, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask about that. How do you guys think uh, Texas State how does the school like us use our limited NIL money best? What kind of guys do we go after with that? Is it like we're not going to go get the top guy in Texas, obviously, with that? How do we use the money we have uh, to win these little recruiting battles? I would say we persuade their siblings because it's like every once in a while, a younger sibling is better than the older one. Like we look at TJ and JJ, we look at like you know the the younger brother being better. Just try to persuade the younger brother. And I don't know, there's got to be some sort of, like, program in San Marcos, like Big Brothers, Big Sisters or something that we can, like, just coast, like, take their logo and throw it on and just give one of those guys a ton of money and be like, hey, break the family cycle. Or first-generation students. Where? Why are we not going after first-generation student athletes? Another great NIL deal. Hispanic athletes. Texas State, hire me. I'm on the phone. I got you covered. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, you spent hours thinking about this, huh? <laughs> yeah i i spend a lot of time thinking about how texas state can be good at football Thanks. more time than they think a thousand percent hundred thousand <laughs> percent yeah freshman year i was like there's no way I, <laughs> there's no way these guys think about how to win um, no not not as much as i do they have wives and children i only have this this is it this is all i have so, like, it needs to get better. Well, the first ASAP. thing, too, is they always had the press conference for football at the same time UT did. And that always bothered me. 
not that I was watching UT's press conference or anything, because they were kind of mid-years when we were in school. Um, up until, like, honestly, now. But, yeah. They signed Baby Poop, Arch Manning, Doug. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, guys. That's pretty much it for episode three, squaring around. Shout out, B. Thanks for being here. Thank you, B. I do like the name, squaring around. Uh, I, I like thinking about the square, so every time you say it, I think about the square. <laughs> it's a lot of good times and eh, a couple bad ones. But a couple bad good. ones. I saw the <laughs> worst fight in my life uh, with Zimmel, actually, on the square. They beat that guy up. Man. That was horrible. <laughs> he never went thanks, out there again. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. New episodes out every Thursday. Follow the boys on Twitter. Eat them up. Eat them up.